are looking live at the home studio. Jason Martinez with you. It is another brand new episode, episode 43 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Bill Meltzer, Anthony Sanfilippo going to join us in just a moment. Big episode today. It's officially uh, the NHL offseason for the Flyers, so we've got a ton to get into. And uh, they will join us in just a moment. Let me tell you about Bet Parks real quick, though. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, it is now live. This is a great time. you got the, uh, the Cup playoffs. You've got NBA playoffs, you've got baseball, you've got PGA, you've got tennis, F1, you can bet on all of it. And you got to take it from me, the new Bet Parks app, everything you've wanted in a mobile casino and sports book, and it's right in your pocket. It's the size of your phone. If you're on the road, easy to pull over, get a couple bets in, get a little action. It's easy to sign up, easy to use, easy to navigate, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. And right now, all Bet Parks users, all Bet Parks, new and existing users can use the promo code Jason 750 and get a risk-free bet up to $750. Again, new and existing users, Jason 750. That's the promo code. A risk-free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you download the app. Check it out. If you just need a day or two to peruse it, go ahead. We'll have Tone on on Thursday for Tone's Takes. Uh, download the new Bet Parks app today. Must be 21 or over. Present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's bring in the guests on this episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer, and from CrossingBroad.com and the Snow the Goalie podcast, it is Anthony Sanfilippo. What's going on, boys? Hey, Jason. Hey, Ant. Uh, Jason feels like I just spoke with you yesterday. We did. (laughs) (laughs) You know what what I'm noticing, guys? We're getting old. (laughs) All three of us have to sit here wearing a pair of glasses. As we're watching, we're we're, we're fo- two of us are follically challenged. Bill's got a little gray going. Like you know, go back about fifteen years. We were all like young and spry, and and really, you know, yeah, really. I, I don't know, I don't know what happened. Well, where, 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 where did time go? Father time always wins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we we're not going to win that fight. Like I feel like four years ago, five years ago, I could see through walls. Now I can't see my phone in front of me. It's insane. You know what killed me? Just starting with readers. That's just what I start, did, like, yeah. Like, I just started, like, ah, you know, these readers will help me with the, just looking at the computer screen all day long. That way I don't start squinting. And I, but now when I don't have them on, I need them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think the assistance of just a simple little grade level one reader has thrown my eyesight to the point where now I have to rely on glasses. Well, I went, I went to the eye doctor and he said, you got to get rid of those readers. They're doing you worse than, than they're helping you. And so I went to the prescription ones and, and like, I can wear these, I can see far with them and everything. They're like that yeah. progressive lens, but yeah, you're right. The, the, the point remains, we're getting old. I'm fucking 50. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> I know it's good. I called my doctor today. I got to get in, get my back looked at. I couldn't put on my right sock today. Cause my back hurts. I'm a, it, I'm isn't, yeah. isn't it crazy too, that, that, uh, you know, li- little things that never kicked your ass before, Yep. you know, like, like all of a, all of a sudden, you know, like you, you, you slept a little funny, your side hurts, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. There's yeah. a fan on you and you wake yeah. up stiff. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems like it was like, we were in our thirties the last time that the, the flyers had a team that could contend for a Stanley cup. Cause we were. Oh, we were. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the funny thing, it makes you appreciate guys like Chris Chelios or Yarmir Yager, sure. how they can still play the game at a high oh level God, at late 40s and 50s. It's insane to me. I play beer league and I'm dead for two days after. Yeah. And, and believe me, that's not like playing pro. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, we got a lot to get to in this episode. Um, we're going to start off with the Morgan Frost stuff, and then we're going to kind of pivot into some other things, exit day, you know, some of those meetings, head coach and, and other stuff. And we're going to look at the, the playoff brackets as well. But let's start where we kind of left off in the last episode, because I, I was getting messages from Bill that, you know, he's he's much higher on Frost than Anthony is. And I don't know that Ant's not high on Frost, but Ant doesn't think Frost will be here. So let me kind of do it this way. Let me give each of you kind of, you know, 40-second opening statement on Morgan Frost, and we'll kind of go from there. Let's start with you, Ant. Yeah, I, I, and I think that you just said it right, Jay. And I don't think that I, I'm too far off from where Bill is as far as I do believe Morgan Frost is an NHL-caliber player. I do think he's going to have a career in this league. Um, I, I do think that his inconsistency over the course of time has put him into a position where the Flyers look ahead at their at their future and how they're going to rebuild this team. And I think that they look at him more now as an asset as opposed to uh, as being a building block. And I think that that's kind of maybe where Bill and I are diverging. I think I think otherwise, other than that, I think that we kind of agree on a lot of the same things. He's been really good under Mike Yo overall. Uh, his last 15 games, especially, I thought he was he was excellent when they, once they moved him back to the middle off the, off the wing. I thought he really played played some of his best hockey uh, as a flyer. So I mean, I I think that you know when you hear Bill say what he's going to say, I think we're gonna you're going to find some of it is exactly the same, and that this debate isn't uh, exactly as uh, as crazy as a lot of people thought it was going to be. Um, I just I just think, and I look at it, and what we could talk about, you know, when we look at the future and how this team's going to be constructed. I have a harder time finding a spot for Morgan Frost on the Flyers roster in 22-23 than I think Bill does. And I think that's where we that's where we differ. All right. Good opening statement, Bill. You got yeah, the floor. When we had um actually when you Jason had uh, Craig Button on the on the, this very podcast. And uh without prompting, you know, I asked the question about Morgan Frost development. And, you know, Craig said he expects him to have a career much like Danny Briere's, or it took some time for Danny. We even went through waivers for it to click. And it could be here in Philadelphia, or it could be somewhere else, but he's confident it's going to happen. My, you know, the, the way I see it is it doesn't have to happen somewhere else. It could happen here. And when you look at, you know, as Ann just pointed out, the, the quality of his play over the last really 15 games of the season – um, you know, I, I thought he was actually pretty consistently pretty good in the, in the later part of the season. Um, when we asked uh, Mike Yo in the final day of the season, you know, who improved process-wise, you know, the most in your eyes, he went right to Frost, actually. And, uh, you know, back in January, uh, back when he was on a line with, um, at the time he was with Jerry Mayhew and with Max Willman, he said, listen, if what I was worried about primarily was points, I'd have him higher in the lineup. And I'm sure he'd produce some more points. It's really more about the consistency of details, keeping his feet moving, being the first on the puck, some of the, some of the battles on the walls. I want Morgan to focus on that. Once he gains consistency, consistency in that, the points will eventually come with it. And that really is kind of how the rest of his season played out, although maybe it took a little longer than you know a lot of us, probably Morgan himself included, you know, for the for the points to come back with it. Last last thing I want to say is that. You know, when you are managing a salary cap, you need to have players that are uh, either on or just off of entry-level deals. The Flyers have a lot of money tied up in the first and second centers with uh, Couturier and Hayes. So to have an, an inexpensive third-line center with some upside, to me, makes to makes the most sense. 
is he ready and to be, uh, you know, going into camp next year? If he is here and every day, every, you know, no doubt about it, no going back and forth NHL player as a third line center. See, that's, this is where I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think we hit a gray area with the third line center thing, right? In all honesty, um, because he was at his best when he was playing on lines that were offensively productive. And that's not to say your third line can't be offensively productive. It certainly can. But you really want your third line to be a little bit more than that. You want it to be more of a two-way line. You want it to be a line that can play against the other team's top line if necessary. You always try to get that second line out against you know, a weaker line or give them the offensive zone starts or you know, start down the other end. So that way they're not having to go 200 feet. Like you're, they're guys that are scorers, but maybe not aren't your best defensive players. And I think that's where Morgan fits better, in all honesty. I think he fits better ultimately on this team as a second-line center. And if you're going to sit there and say, well, you can make Kevin Hayes a third-line center, well, you certainly can. And, and by that rationale, I think what Bill's saying, it certainly makes sense, um, you know, uh, salary cap-wise. You could sit there and say, yeah, you know what? You know, we could, we, could, we could get away with Morgan Frost as a second-line center. It's so cheap because we're paying a third-line center a lot more, right? And Hayes could do other things. You know, it's not just going to be – a 15-minute-a-night guy playing third line. He's going to play on power play and things like that. So he's going to get his time. But I guess my my concern is this. If you're really going to go out, and we've heard so many things. Again, a lot's going to, I think, going to come out of the news conference with, with Chuck tomorrow, right? Um, if you're going to really go out and pursue top-end talent, which they insist they're going to do, um, and not just one player, maybe two, I have to think one of them is going to be a center. I have to think that, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of money tied up in the middle, but the middle is where you, the middle is where the, the bread's buttered. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe you get one scoring winger, but you really need, if you're going to get, bring in two players, you're going to bring in a center. And if that's the case, do you sit there and say, well, we've tried Morgan on the wing. We think he can work on the wing or, do, you know, and maybe give that another go. Or do you sit there and say, maybe Morgan plus somebody else can get us that center. Maybe that, you know, maybe we're trading an asset that's got some NHL ability, some NHL talent that another team thinks that they can they can get a lot out of. And and it'll be a good hockey trade. And that's not to say that the Flyers are giving up on him. It's sure. just saying, hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to part with something that you like in order to get something that you want. Sure. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I think that that's kind of where my mindset is on this, because I, I don't necessarily think he's a third line guy for a full season. I think he's more of a second line guy, ultimately. Right. But so, if you're gonna if you're gonna bring in a big name, he might be the guy that has to go to get you that big name. So you use him as com a commodity or to get a known commodity, and there's still a little bit of unknown elements to Morgan's commodity. Correct. I, I, like, I, look, I'm not saying I, him alone. I, he, he might have to yeah. be packaged with someone. Exactly. If you're getting high end gonna, Morgan alone is not going to get you a superstar yeah. center. All right. And, or, and Bill Warren, superstar winner. One of the reasons why Morgan has value in that scenario too is because, just like you said. There's not a lot of money attached to him, and that's an attraction for a lot of NHL teams right, right now in this right. pseudo flat cap world. Man, that's you, the thing. Go ahead, yeah. Bill. Yeah, I was just saying, but when you look at what the team's uncertainties and their needs are, and I am I am hopeful, my fingers are crossed that, that Ryan Ellis's issues are, you know, dealt with over the summer. He gets through next season healthy. I am very worried about another season on the blue line, like they had this year. If, if what do you have if Ellis goes down? Right. Mm -hmm. Particularly, particularly, you know, now things may play out where Travis Sanheim does sign an extension this summer. And that's one one less thing you have to worry about. You, you cross that off the list. Right. But 
as of now, he's a year away from being unrestricted. You don't know what you don't know what to have. You know, you don't know how healthy Ryan Ellis is going to be. Um, you know, uh, Cam York is still a very young player, and uh, did did show some promise. Did show some really good moments. Actually, probably I would argue looked better in the NHL than he did in the AHL this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, um, right. You know, uh, you know, is a you know the third pair was a was a big problem this year, and that that. You know, and that really all started with Ellis's injury, and then Ron having to move up. Ron's not here anymore. So when I look at the team's issues, and I say if you if you address two things, you have to get a scoring winger, and you have to you have to even if it's only through depth, add another piece to the blue lines you you can count on. And it, it would be great to add a top quality center. Don't get me wrong. If you could add a Mark Shifley to to name you know one of the guys who's been out there in trade rumors, then you're absolutely a better hockey team. But I just think for the dollars and cents of cap management that's gonna be hard to do well he's I think got two I, I, years left on his deal at Sh- 29 shifley? years of age is there you're talking about shifley yeah i mean it's not a lot of term like i i like that thought process and shifley in the term i think he's making 6.1 yeah and i look at that and i go for what i'm getting in the and i'm not getting a long commitment here i'm not going to the guy's 34 um but i i do like what he brings to the table as an addition to, you know, then you're look at you off the middle. You're, you got Couturier, Shifley, both from that same draft, and then Hayes. So you're you're pretty set up the middle. And then if you don't have to depart with Frost there, you could put Frost on the wing on one of those lines in a scoring situation. Well, that's the question. I mean, are you comfortable with Morgan Frost as a winger? I think they're loaded on the right side. I mean, we, yeah. we you know, one of the things There's that a we lot talked about. One of the things we've talked about in the past, and Bill, I think we've even talked about it off off air, is um, you know if you're going to be making these kinds of moves in the off season, you're going to have to get rid of some salary, right? So does a Travis Kadechny get moved in, in this regard? If you're going to go out and get a Shifley at six point one million, do you move a Kadechny right in that regard um, to kind of balance out that money going in and out a little bit? Um, and if that's the case, does Morgan work on the wing? Like, I don't know if you – I didn't particularly personally like him on the wing. It didn't sound like he particularly liked playing on the wing. I mean, he he tried to say the right things, but you could kind of tell by his his expressions and his body language that he preferred to be a center. Um, right. So, like, I, that's why I'm saying, like, I, I don't know where the fit is for him if you're going to go out and get that top-end caliber player. I mean, and honestly, though, I, I, I think Morgan's turnaround, at least offensively, started when he was on the wing with Giroux and, and uh, Konechny those last couple games before mm-hmm. Giroux was traded. I think it was a big boost for his confidence. I thought that Jason was sitting next to me in, in the in the press box that night, the game against Montreal. I was like, you know, that was that was a – there was a particular play where he faked a dump in and then made a little back pass to Konechny yeah. for, for a scoring mm-hmm. chance. I think those were the things that when Morgan was playing very safe, he wasn't even trying those kind of things. It was almost like that was the beginning of his confidence coming back. When he had the big World Junior Championship, um, you know, it's World Juniors, but still, he was on wing. And, you know, I mean, he, he could ad- he could adapt to it. Um, honestly, they, they've invested a lot of time and, and uh, you know, a time and effort in, in picking up his two-way game as a winger, as, as a center, rather. And he's he has improved significantly in, in the two-way game to where he is, I think, a much more viable center. But I think if, I think you had to move him. To a wing, he could adapt and, and be fine at doing that, um, you know. And, and I mean, he's he's just one of those guys, right? Uh, you know, the issue of whether Cam York is comfortable playing the right side. If you ask, he right. sure seems to play, prefer the left, right? And, and and it came up with uh, with Tharaby. Well, 
you know, if you were asked to play center, he's going, well, in a pinch, I could do it. But, you know, he prefers being, a, he prefers being a left wing. So it's, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think of the three guys, the ones, the one who might adapt the, the fastest would be Frost because he has played some wing before. That's fair. Well, let, well, let's, let's talk about this because, you know, all of those questions are kind of moot until they make some acquisitions. So how do we feel like, how do you feel that, you know, high end talent was the term that Chuck and Danny Breer both used and that they'll be hunting for this off season. And to me, I, I can't go in. If I'm Chuck, I put out a, get a message out to other general managers that I'm not desperate and I'm not going to act in desperation to try and put my team in the playoffs next year, because that's when you get in trouble. But if there's a, you know, a good deal that's out there, a hockey trade or a signing or some way to move money, hey, I'll look at it. But I'm not desperate. I'm not acting out of desperation. How confident are you that they're going to be able to add significant talent to this roster next year? I think they have to. How? I think, I, I think they have to. I think they have to find a way to add a name to add a big name player. They just have to. We've gone so long with not having that scoring play, that player who can score, right? We've always had Giroux, right? But we've never had, we've not had, how long has it been since we've had a goal scorer? Jeff Carter, I guess, was probably the last legit goal scorer that this team had, right? I mean, so you're, you're going to, you're going to almost a decade now w- without one. And I know you got to look at guys like Tippett and say, yeah, maybe. And you see, and you see um, Tyson Forster coming and you go, yeah, that shot will play at this level, right? Maybe he'll be those guys. Well, he'll be one of those guys. Don't don't rely on the maybe. Go get it. And then if you had those guys develop, great. Now you have now you have a plethora of it. And now you have a lot more options, right? But I think you have to go get that player. I, I don't I don't care what it what it takes. You have to get that player. Do they have to be desperate? No. Do you have to make a bad deal just to say, well, we had to get that guy? No, you don't have to go that far. I think that there is I think there's there is a middle ground to it. But I do think that there's going to be players available. I mean, you know, I I know. Look. Your 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 situation that you put out, Jay, I think is a little pie in the sky, but I love it. My Marner, I, I, your Mitch Marner, your Mitch Marner proposal, I love it. I mean, if it was available, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But the, you know, and and Toronto's a team that you got to wonder if they get bounced in the first round. Yeah, do they consider changing the way that they look right instead of having paying four guys forty million dollars and not being able to get past the first round? Um, so then you start to wonder, well, what would that take? And I think that that's the kind of thing where you, where you look at it and say. And I'm just throwing this out, Fort Marner. But we could we could talk Shifley. You could talk any number of players along that same ilk. Would it? Would you go Konechny, Frost, and maybe that 2024 first rounder you got for Giroux, for Mitch Marner? In a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. you would in a heartbeat. I well, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And that's, so that's yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. So and maybe maybe it takes a little bit more than that. Maybe you have to throw in another draft pick or maybe another prospect. Whatever. Protected 2023 pick. Yeah, whatever. Whatever it takes, right? So you 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 do something like that, you will do it because it's such a big big enough it's a big enough move to draw attention to the team that we're not kidding. Yeah. We're going out and we're going to get that top end player. And that's what and, and that's and, what you yeah, do. And still a young one at that. And and a young one at that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and and, that, and that's a big part of it too, because if you're, you know, if you're going out and you're clearing out cap space, and let's let let's say that that Johnny Goudreau doesn't resign with Calgary, then that's an unrestricted free agent move, and you're just 
opening cap space, right? Right. Um, but then it still is a, a very long-term commitment, you know, for, I mean, you're, you're getting a superstar player. You're also, you know, and I'll just play through the Goudreau scenario, you know, for a second. Let, let's say you get him $10 million cap hit, you know, seven, seven year contract. It's going to take something big, you know, so something top of the line to, to get him. Well, you know, then you're still remaking your roster because, you know, to, to have Goudreau and Atkinson, and potentially a guy like Bobby Brank, and you know that's a very small that's a very small forward group, right? You, you're gonna you need to balance that off a little bit. So you know whatever way you're looking, you're going to need some roster reshaping is, is what I'm getting at. So yeah, I mean if you can land that real, you know, first line talent guy, and it takes multiple pieces, young players, some you know some established guys, even even a protected 2023 first round to get a guy who you know will be on your first line and, and play to a, to an elite caliber, you have to do it. If it's there, you do it. I, I, I agree with both of you guys on that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, when you look at, you know, we got to see if Toronto gets bounced in the first round to play that scenario out. we got to see if Gaudreau doesn't re-sign in Calgary. And they, they really got their back against the wall with Gaudreau being up and Kachuk being up on his RFA deal where he made $7 million. I mean, what's the what what's the qualifying offer there, right, for good, for a guy like Kachuk? Who do they want to keep? Do they want to keep Gaudreau or Kachuk? Are they going to try and keep both? I mean, that's really difficult if you're in Calgary situations. why I love them in the playoffs this year, too. But, I mean, how, how far are you willing to go this offseason? And did the play of any of the young players, you know, kind of make them slow their role in any way, Ant? with how aggressive they're going to be this offseason. Well, I think that that's I think that's something that you can look at positively, right? And I think Bill Bill will agree on this is that these guys came in and they didn't look lost um, at all. Uh, you know, Noah Cates comes in and, and plays so well that you have to think right now that barring some kind of collapse over the summer that he's got a roster spot next year on your bottom six. Like and, and that was probably something that we probably thought, all right, Noah Cates is going to get his trial, but then he's going to go play in the AHL next year, and he'll eventually get called up. No, I think he's got a roster spot, I agree. Um, right? And I think, and I think, I think while I think Brink and Adderd will start with the Phantoms, I think that they showed well enough that they're not that far away. Yeah. That they only need somewhere between twenty-five and forty games, maybe at the AHL level. Normally, you would need that full season coming out of college and meeting that 80 game season. And then you can come back. I, I think these two guys are guys that maybe only need half season, maybe even a little bit less, and then they can come back. So I do think that those things maybe made the flyers think a little bit differently about how this is going to take place. That, that maybe that, you know what, we do have some kids here that, that can play at this level and they can play sooner than maybe we thought. So I think, I think that's the one positive that you take out of it. Now, are they going to come in and be saviors of this team? And, and no. you sit there and say, well, you know, we don't need to go get that superstar because we got these guys coming. No, that's that's the that's where I think that's where we had the Hextall mistake, right? The Hextall mistake was we relied way too much on the young kids being better than we think they are and didn't go out and get the supplemental pieces that we needed to kind of make them come along at the speed that they needed to come along at. So I think that that's where you need to be aggressive after a big name player, but at the same time, recognize which of these young kids that you think you can keep in your lineup or, or are close enough to get to your lineup within next season. And then, you know what, maybe you're good enough within two years. I, I think that's why I think that that turnaround can happen sooner rather than later. But I also don't think that 
it's one it's a one year it's a one year fix i also don't think it's something that you should blow up and make it a five to seven year fix i think that there is a way to do it that's that falls in between yeah i i, I this is gonna end up sounding redundant because i'm completely on the same page totally agree Me too. yeah um you know, uh, and, and I, I, you know, I'll just, I guess I'll just add to to what you said that because I do think Noah Cates is on this roster. You and you and I privately have discussed uh, Oscar Lindblom. I actually think, you know, as much as we all love Oscar, for a fourth line guy, you're you're looking, you know, to save cap space here and where you can. I actually do think that makes it a situation where you you might move Oscar this off season. Whereas before, you know, I thought, okay, well, he's still in your top nine somewhere. Um, but actually, I, I think Kate's Kate's came in and showed he can do everything Oscar can do, right? right. So that that opens some possibilities there. Um, agree with you as as Adderd and and uh, as Brinko. I think a little bit of AHL time will benefit them both, and not they don't necessarily need a whole year. Um, and and Jason and I have discussed over on, on Flyers Daily that uh, you know a, a two year process seems workable. One year seems very uh, you know very optimistic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that you need a total teardown. I really don't think, I really don't think the, the people in the fan base, the majority at least, who say they want a total teardown, understand what that really entails. If you if you think this year was rough, try living with five years of it with no guarantees of getting significantly better on the other side of it. Exactly. And 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 last thing, I, I think the biggest mistake of the Hexa era, in, in retrospect was there wasn't a there wasn't a, a true succession plan you know as as the, the Giroux got older and as Voracek got older and the Simmons got older those guys alone in their prime were really why they were they were even a bubble team right mm-hmm. but as but as those guys got into their 30s you know they're still your best players and you that's know, part I, of the problem yeah and and so you know there there was there wasn't a the way things evolved, there wasn't a, an, an instant obvious replacement. And uh, yeah. And so the time maybe to make some bigger moves may have been a little early, but that, that's all hindsight. But uh, every, everything you said, I totally agree with. Yeah. That that's the fact that Giroux at 34 this year was the best player on the team was an indictment that they, they didn't good on Giroux for playing the way he played, but they needed to, you need to have a 26 year old be yeah. the best player on your team moving forward after after that whole generation of, like you said, Drew Simmons and all of those guys, um, you know, Ivan Provorov and at the uh, the breakup day met with the media. Bill and I discussed this on Flyers Daily for today, and I was really, frankly, disturbed and disappointed in what he had to say. Um, and the way he kind of said, "Hey, you guys have your opinion. You're all experts." Blah blah blah. Um, I didn't like it. I don't like it today. I didn't like it then. And I still don't like it now. Uh, wh- what did you make of what Provorov had to say? Uh, well, here's where I like to take the minority opinion. I, I, I guess if we're sitting there, as if you know, you want to take it person, you want to take it personally as a, as a member of the media and say, you know, he's attacking us or he's coming at us saying, oh, we're writing the bad, we're writing bad stories or we're saying the wrong things about him and you know, this is awful. You know how you know we know better than he does, and he's just kind of being snarky about it. Well, yeah, okay, fine. You could take it that way. I get it. I understand. You know, we work hard to do what we do and formulate the opinions we have. And, you know, if someone wants to take a shot at it publicly, yeah, you, you, you kind of get your guard up a little bit. I get it. But I also kind of understand where he's coming from. I, I really do. And I, I, I have a hard time really identifying wh- where it fits. I'm not saying that he's trying to blame 
us for saying that he did not play well because he did come out afterwards and said he didn't have his a great season. He just refused to give himself a grade, right? That was the one that was where the that was where the the sticking point was for him. But he said he didn't have his, a great season. And I think it's fair when you really look at what took place around him this year that to sit there and say, "All right, well, this guy's no longer of, you know, no longer any good or he's no longer a top pair guy," which a lot of people have been saying. Yeah, that's extreme. I think that goes too far. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, that and I think that and I think that that pisses him off in all honesty because I think he looks at it and says, "No, I am still that guy. I can still be that guy. Give me a full season with the guy I'm supposed to be playing with on a team that's supposed to be better that's better than what we were this year and you'll see it. You'll see the difference." And so maybe he expressed it wrong, you know, and that's probably the that's the negative, right? You sit there and say, "Okay, you probably didn't have to go after the media." <laughs> to, to express that um that you could probably set it a different way but if i if i take a minute and sit back and really just kind of think about what he's trying to convey with with what he's saying I, i'm not that far away with him man i i get it i get it i you know i know everybody wants to jump on the, the, the hot quote right i mean it's the sound bite you know that's oh can you believe he said that that's oh, you know it's, let's 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 this is ridiculous he's going to be the next carson wentz he's going to be the next ben simmons I don't know. I, I think that we could get give give the guy a second and let's think about what he's saying. And maybe he's right. Maybe he's not. Maybe we'll find out beginning of next season that he's a total jerk and he completely blew it with this. And he was right. He was you know. And we should have we should have known when he said it, kind of thing. But maybe not. Maybe he can get back to being the player that we think he can be. And I I'm willing to give him that chance next season. Before yeah, before we went on the air with this, uh, I just posted a, a thread on on. Uh, on Twitter. And uh, I actually articulate a lot of the same things that, that you just said. Uh, I'll get to Ivan's comments in a second. But I think, first of all, the narrative that he's totally partner dependent isn't really true. You know, you, you have, first, you have to take the team as a whole, right? And the break the season down. And people forget that it wasn't until game nine this season. So remember, remember that Ellis went down in game three. So it took nine games a season before Provorov was on the ice for a single five-on-five goal against. That was a game in Pittsburgh on November 4th. So that was a pretty significant number of games you know, where he's playing with playing alongside Justin Braun and still playing at that same level he was playing with Ryan Ellis. Um, you know, a little later in the season, he had an uptick in his play where, where he was paired with Cam York. And obviously he's the senior partner there and, and he's, you know, he's calling the shots. Um Late in the season, even he had a you know he had a nice little offensive spell. Late in the season, I think he led the team in goals actually, and in, in, in points rather in uh, in April. So you know I, I don't think he quit on the season. I don't think he's anything less than a competitor or any of those things. I think the effort was there, the compete was there. It was an inconsistent season for him though. And you know what, where I think it's fair to criticize is when a team is in a situation the Flyers are in. It's an almost an unfair expectation, right? On on whether you're talking about Giroux or Provorov, or, or Atkinson, or Katori had he not been hurt, you know, to, to say, okay, not only do you have to come and help stabilize things, but you have to carry the team on your back for a while. He really didn't, you know, and, and he's shown in the past the promise of being able to do that. If you look at if you look at his 2017-18 season, which was second year in the NHL, he looked right on the brink of being that kind of player. If you look in, in ni- the 1920 season, right, and that's where it's a in, but still, he looked, he looked right on the brink, even after Niskanen moved, you know, retired after the year, of being able to 
you know, lift whoever his partner was, whatever pairing he was on, you know, to a higher level, to be able to, even in tough times, you okay, we put this pair out and we know, you know, we know they're going to stabilize things. And we just hope the other guys kind of get on board and, and, and elevate their own games with it. I mean, he did it sporadically, not nearly enough. And during some of those losing stretches, particularly the 13 gamer, was maybe his toughest spell of the season, hockey wise. I mean, he was, you know, he was trying to do too much. So, you know, at times, and, and I, I just, I, I felt like it was a snowball effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't blame him for, the, you know, power plays, power play penalty kill. It was a team wide problem. I have a hard time pointing a finger at any one player because it was such a yeah. collective, really, you know, another word but disaster because the, you're 32nd in power play. And after January 1st, they were 32nd in penalty kill. They were top one third before that, but still, that's more than half of the season, right? So that's, uh, you know, I, I can understand the frustration and I, and I understand that, you know, he may have felt that, Hey, that, that a lot, that he took a lot of, a lot of it personally. Right. And I, and I, I get all of that. Um, I, I had a problem in the being asked for self-assessment is by, especially by all people, Jordan Hall. And we can all, we can all sit here and say, Jordan Hall might be the nicest guy you will, you will ever meet. And there was no, there are no loaded questions for Jordan ever. Right. It was it was a standard question. I don't even think it was directed at Jordan. I just think it was an opening to vent. I, I really don't think he was targeting Jordan specifically. It just kind of came out that way. Premeditated. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was a little bit premeditated. He was. He knew the question was coming, and that was that was almost the the smile on his face as he, you know, said what he wanted to say. I I I don't think the optics of it were great. On the same time, it's not the same token. It's not something that's the end of the world. It's not something. Oh, we can't we can't have this player on the team. You know, everybody says things out of frustration and emotion sometimes, and you know, you you move on from there, right? It, it uh, certainly he's not a dime a dozen player. You hear that from from some fans, right? I, I think he's shown that he's a twenty minute and like any team in the league. So you know, he's a quality player. You know, is it possible he gets traded this offseason? Yes, after back to back years like the Flyers have had, no one is or should be totally untouchable. But but he still is he still is a quality player, an important part of the team. And at, at the end of the day, you know, his comments on Saturday really, you know, ultimately is water under the bridge. Really, it's it's just on how where the team goes from there and and him being part of it. Unless he's moved. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll see how that ends up playing in the locker room. But you know, with everybody kind of disbanding right now, that has all the makings of something that just kind of simmers away. Um, you know, at this point, it's when you say it. Sometimes, if you say it in the midst of uh, not playing well then it's a different story. You can simmer in the locker room, but right now everything can kind of fizzle out and everybody comes back fresh and feeling good, provided he is back. And let's get to the last thing here with uh, the two of you guys. The head coach searches, I mean, this is a a big, big thing. Chuck Fletcher is going to speak tomorrow. So is Mike Yo. And Mike Yo was put in a very difficult position. And I think think the organization would like to keep him here in some form. What that is as either an assistant coach with a new staff, if he's willing to do that, in development or what? I don't know. I know Mike likes being here. I've corresponded with him about it. He loves the city and he likes, loves the organization, but those things are kind of out of his hands. As far as him being the head coach, probably not enough, nearly enough turnaround time or turnaround in record and result is going to be able to reward him with that. So that being said, who is the next coach? We'll get some indication maybe tomorrow from Chuck Fletcher, what direction they're going in and where they're leaning. I talked to I talked to Bill about this on Flyers Daily. I talked to Cam Atkinson after we were done taping an interview at breakup day 
about what he thought of John Tortorella and his words, I effing loved playing for him. So is John Tortorella a, a reasonable option? And where are they going when it comes to the head coach? You going with the hot assistant? Do you go Tortorella, Paul Maurice, Claude Julian, or where are you going here when it comes to head coach? I think it's the big mystery of the off season. I really do. It's the one thing where won't linger that long. I don't think though. Well, it's the one thing where you, you kind of ask around and different names come up at different times. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's the one that, you know, early on, we kind of, you know, when, when, um, when Vino was first uh, fired, you, you know, we heard the same names. We all, we all heard the same talk. Right. Okay. (laughs) And, and then of course we find out that, uh, there's some assistants out there that, that Chuck likes and thought, okay, well, you know, maybe these guys like Jimmy Montgomery, you know, might be a guy that, that, that can end up becoming a coach here. Cause he had success uh, everywhere he was, but before he had his, um, uh, his, his bout with, uh, with uh, alcoholism um, and then came you now, now has been back and been clean and been a good assistant with, with the blues. Um, so, you know, your name like that comes comes to mind. Um, especially with a young team, you think that something like that, you know, a player, a coach like that might make sense. But now the most recent name I heard is Maurice, right? I mean, you know, I, I keep hearing that that's a, that's a name that kind of that fits, um, kind of that you know, veteran coach who does has shown the ability to do well with teams that maybe aren't uh, laden with uh, with top end skill players, um, but at the same time is still kind of chasing his own, you know, championship, get his first championship because he hasn't won won one. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would like Maurice. If you're asking me who I would, well, I mean, look, we would love Torts, right? I mean, come on, who wouldn't love Torts? How great would Torts be for us? It would be the best thing in the world. Like it would be just just be you know gold every day. You know, just to, you know to come out of our fingertips. Um, but uh, I, I do think that you know, honestly, I would if I was in Chuck's position, I would go with it with with somebody that that works with younger players better, and that's why I think. You know, I think that that's why he likes a, a Montgomery kind of kind of coach. I, I would be more apt to go that route, especially since you're still paying AV ten million dollars over the next two years, right? You want to be paying two coaches a lot of money. Um, I can't worry about that. Well, you can't. Get the you're right also, guy. but you, but you, here's the thing: you see, I get the right guy. What's the what's the average length of time that a guy coaches in the NHL? Three and a half like, years. Okay, are you winning a Stanley Cup in three and a half years? Yeah, but Tortorella is a guy that has a seven-year stint and two six-year stints on his resume. One one-year stint in Vancouver where he crashed and burned. Right. But other than that, he burns hot but doesn't burn quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, I, Bill, what, what do you think? I mean, I, I, like, I look at it and I say, I think that there's one more coach before you go to the big name again. I really do. I just think that there's hmm. – and if this coach develops and, and becomes – you know, you know. It, let's just say it's Jim Montgomery, right? And he comes in and he turns his team around and he gets his team into the playoffs year in, year out. Maybe he becomes that next generation of guy that 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 is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that eventually becomes that veteran coach that that everybody wants, right? Who knows? And if not, if it only lasts two to three years, okay, then at that point you go get the guy that you need. The over the top closer. guy that gets you puts you over the goal line. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, I, I mean, I, I think that. You know, I think the guys, the the guy that some of the veteran players, the Cam Atkinsons, might want. They, they don't want the splashy name, right? They have, t- typically that would be the case, especially especially in Cam's case where he, he played played under Torts in in uh, Columbus. Would it shock me if it was Torts? It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't no. shock me. But uh, you know, on the other hand, you you look at uh, you know, I, I personally have come back to 
Montgomery quite a bit because I know what he did in Dallas. And he had a team that really had to reshape its identity, had to rediscover a work ethic. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't there by the time they got to the cup finals because he had, you know, he had his personal issues and he had to step aside. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been fired. I mean, he, he was doing a really good job there. So it wasn't a question of a team underachieving. It was just a question of having personal issues he had he had to work out. I think he's earned another chance. He, do, he does seem to be in a much better space in his life. And, uh, you know, I, and I think he's done a good job wherever he's gone. Uh, I mean, I, I think he will get another head coaching job. So, you know, I, I think he would I think he would be a solid choice. Maybe not certainly not a splashy name, but a, but I think it would be a solid choice. And Paul Maurice strikes me as a, you know, a, a, as as a Chuck Fletcher kind of a coach. If he has his druthers, well organized, good, yeah. you know, and not not flashy, but a, but a good communicator with players, you know, straightforward and, uh, you know, like meticulous, meticulous in preparation and those kind of things, too. So I, I could see him being a guy they would. You know, they'd hit it off in interviews and they'd be very comfortable working with one another. But as, as terms of, you know, in, in terms of what would be the, uh, you know, the most fun, the most entertainment, well, you can't get, you can't get more entertaining than, than John Tortorella, you know, whether, whether it's talkative torts or, or, you know, or confrontational torts, it doesn't matter. He's, you know, you never know what you're going to get sometimes. He makes the team more relevant right away in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, that's part of it too, isn't it? I mean, whether we like it or not. It is, but I think that the team has to be ready for that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, they have to be ready for it. Let me ask you this. And this is this is really going out on a limb. But could you see them go just have Yo do it one more year and then make the call after that? Give them, you know what I'm saying? Like our nightmare. Well, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, you, but if you come out and say we're looking at two years from now as our real goal, but yeah. we like what Mike's done with the development of players and we think that he'll continue to work with these young guys. And, hey, we make the playoffs this year. Great bonus. Good for Mike. Good for the team. And who knows down the road, maybe that that works for him, too. And we extend Mike and he's our coach. But uh, if not, uh, yeah. if not, then you'll oh. get the big name when you have something that's a little bit more tangible. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it would play well. That would play well in the room. I mean, no, well and I, I think Scott Lawton spoke about the most passionately, actually. I mean, he gave a very strong endorsement for yeah. Mikio staying on. Um, and uh, other players, too. I mean, you know, sometimes you get that little, well, that's up to management, and that's all they're going to say because they didn't particularly like or respect the coach, right? Um, I mean, there, there were a lot of endorsements, some from, even from some of the young guys. We talked about Frost, right? He gave him a pretty strong endorsement saying he that, did. you know, Mike Mike knew when to challenge me and knew when to pick me up. And that's, you know, really really kind of the, the, the way to handle young players, right? Any player, but especially a young player who's trying to develop confidence and, and find what works and what doesn't work for him. Um, while I think it would play well in the room, however, I think it would go over like a lead balloon with the fan base. It would be, mm -hmm. oh, you're running the same guys back, same mediocrity. It would be once again putting Mike in – because I thought that Mike was put in a situation this year where he really didn't have a fair chance to succeed. Everything was so – in such a bad state. Yeah. In a disarray. Mike really didn't have a fair chance to help pick things up. You know, he, he helped to try to reshape attitudes, reshape some work habits, help bring along some young players. The, uh, the one loss record – you know, actually went backwards, right? Yeah. 
for so I I, I think that it would just it, it would play poorly in terms of saying that you're going to be aggressive and then then bringing back the interim coach again and that's nothing nothing whatsoever against Mike who I have all the respect in the world for but it's just I think it's just reality. Yeah, I agree, and that's a good spot to wrap it up at. Guys, uh, the Morgan Frost debate wasn't quite as uh, frothy as I thought it was going to be, but that's good. <laughs> but great stuff here as always. Oh, and real, uh, real quick, Jay, before before we bounce out of here, who you guys got in the finals? I got Calgary going out of the West. Bill, who you got coming out of the West? I, I had yeah, I actually had Calgary too. Um, that makes three. I mean, the, the Avs are going to go in as, as the favorites, and then you know, and then the East. I'll tell you what. Until somebody knocks off Tampa Bay, I'm not predicting against Tampa Bay. So. I'm going to go with Florida. Uh, oh, Cap going to go to the final. I'm, I'm going Florida as well. I have Calgary, Florida. Uh, but I, I but I agree with you, Bill. I think Tampa is their toughest potential matchup. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. More so, more so than and, – and look, no, no disrespect for Carolina, who I think is a great team. No disrespect for just the, the season Shesterkin's had and how he could potentially steal a series against absolutely anybody with, with the Rangers. No disrespect to any of those teams. I think it's Tampa's the team that Florida's got to get past if they want to get over that hurdle, and that might be the toughest one for them. But I think they do it, and I think it's I think it's Calgary, Florida, and who wins? I got Calgary winning it all. Daryl getting it done again. So you got so you got are you so Bill? You got Calgary, Tampa. No, Tampa, yeah, yeah. It's a, so you, you I, go I, three P, or do you go Calgary ending the Canadian drought? Well, I, I just said that I, I can't pick against Tampa until somebody knocks them off. But I could, I could see Calgary doing it. It's not that. It, it's just that when you, when you win back to back like that, and you know how to win, and and you know they've been through the, you know the, they've been through the evolution of a champion, right? They had they had that year where they lost in the first, they got swept in the first round yeah. after running away with the President's Trophy. It, it's the same group, and until somebody proves proves it by doing it, I, I have to pick them. You know, I have to pick them straight through to that point. But I, uh, but certainly, certainly Calgary's capable of going all the way. Well, it'd be a, re- a rematch of the 04 cup. Again, little Cavalier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great final too. It was um, awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go Calgary as well. That was, that's been my pick all. Uh, for oh, they're definitely bit. getting bounced in the first round. We all picked them. What they, you, know, what, you know what, you know who they remind me of? They remind me, uh, and it's not just because of the coach, but they remind me of Kings. the Kings. In 12. They just remind me of the Kings. Totally. The way that they play. Everything about mm-hmm. them is the L.A. Kings. Yep. And and there, and there are guys who've bought in there that I never would have thought would have bought into Daryl Sutter. No. It's insane. And that, that line of Lindholm, Gaudreau, and Kachuk is so a good. plus combined 178. So good. Yeah. Such I mean, good, such they're getting it line. done five on five at every turn. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, as, as much as I as much as I like um, uh, Canada having not won the cup for this long, <laughs> it's ninety three. <laughs> as much as I get a kick out of it that they can't bring the cup home, yeah, I think it might end this year. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right, well, well, we'll be watching tonight. It starts, and uh, we'll get after it, boys. Thanks so much, Anthony Sanfilippo yes. from CrossingBroad.com and Snow the Goalie Podcast. Bill Meltzer from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Thanks, Ant. There they are. There's the guys and another successful edition of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. There's just like so many questions to be answered this offseason. We could go on for hours and hours and we're there's going to be a lot of time to discuss everything. Uh, but um, 
so many fascinating questions when it comes to the Flyers. Let me tell you about the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. It is now live. Take it from me. The new Bet Parks app is everything you want in a mobile casino and sportsbook, and it's right in the palm of your hand. It's right here. This is what it is. It's the phone. This is this is your mobile casino and sportsbook. Simple to use, simple to navigate, easy to use, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. Right now, all Bet Parks customers can use promo code Jason750 and get a risk-free bet up to $750. Terms and conditions do apply. That's for new and existing users. Again, Jason750, and you get that risk-free bet up to $750. So do yourself a favor. Get ready for the playoff action and uh, get on the brand new Bet Parks app. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Another new edition of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live coming up Thursday. Everybody, have a great day. Enjoy the offseason or the beginning of it. Playoffs tonight. We'll see you Thursday on a brand new edition of Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Thanks. Everybody.